The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. John Scholes here alongside Savan Tamarkin, the co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. Good to have you on the show. Good to have you listening to the show. Anytime you want to reach out, there's several different ways. Toll free, 1-855-821-5900. Sometime during the show, something might pique your interest. You want to give Savan or a member of his team a call. That is the number you use. The website, disabilityrights.ca, and the email is help at disabilityrights.ca. So, man, a lot to get through today on this show. I know you wanted to focus right off the top on another uh, another website that is free for everybody to use and learn from. That would be ltdfaq.ca. What do you got? Uh, what do you got going on today, pal? Off the top. Hey, John. Great to be with you and with our listeners. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that website, ltdfaq.ca. It's a website we created about, uh, I think it was a month or two ago, and yeah. it's basically to answer basic questions that we get over and over and over. Remember, we are long-term disability lawyers, and we have offices in Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta at this point, uh, hopefully at some point in other places too. Uh, but we answer the same kinds of questions, and we help people who are having difficulties with their insurance companies. And sometimes the insurance company is not giving you a hard time, but you have a question about something to do with your claim. That can be about CPP disability. We're going to go through a few emails that I received this week from people about that. Uh, appeals. What happened if you are denied your long-term disability claim? Or if you're told that the payments will stop? And then in that same vein, the same letter that you get informing you of that, the insurance company asks you or tells you that you can appeal. Should you appeal? Pros and cons. The common reasons for denial of LTD claims independent medical assessments or examinations when an insurance company wants you to be seen by one of their doctors. What you keep in mind when, when you go to these assessments. Uh, the interplay between employment law and LTD. So there's just quite a few of them, John, and we keep adding to these uh, these memos that we put on there, and they don't have legalistic uh, language in them. You know, they're not for lawyers or for judges or anyone right. else. It's just for the general public, for our listeners, who want to learn more about their rights uh, as it pertains to long-term disability. So let me just, uh, straight off the hop here, go to a an email that I had received this past week. Uh, and the subject matter of this email was question on behalf of a patient. And this came from a family doctor that listens to the show from Ottawa. And this doctor wrote uh, the following. It says, hello, I am a GP in Ottawa and asked this question earlier today on uh, your MyDisabilityQuestions.com platform. Uh, and here's my question. I'm seeing this patient today at 11 a.m. So this this doctor actually wrote me at 10 a.m. that morning, so I hurried to, to give uh, the doctor an answer. He says, how often can an LTD insurer require you to apply for CPP disability? Right. My patient was denied less than a year ago, and they're already asking her to reapply. This is a lot of paperwork for me, which is hard during uh, this unprecedented uh, time with COVID, and it puts a lot of strain on, on healthcare providers during the pandemic. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. So first of all, I appreciate the question from this doctor, and I encourage other uh, doctors, psychologists, uh, treatment providers, if you have any questions, general questions about how to help your clients, your patients with the long-term disability claims, uh, or if your patients have any questions, 
just tell them to contact us. We will talk to them for free, give them this information. That's what mm -hmm. we're here for. So the answer is this. Unless the LTD policy specifically requires the insured person, the claimant, to reapply for CPP disability, they have no obligation to do so, period. Remember that the LTD policy is the contract that provides uh, the terms of the relationship between the insured individual and the insurance company. Right. And it's really important to understand that what that means is that the insurance company cannot ask you or force you to do certain things which they don't have a right to ask you for under the policy. Now, if the policy says, for example, you must apply for CPP disability and you don't apply, you are potentially in breach of that policy. Yep. But if you've applied, if you've complied, just like this patient did, she applied for CPP disability and was declined, unless the policy says you have to appeal or you have to uh, reapply, she has no obligation to do so. And if the insurance company takes any action, any action that prejudices her claim, cuts her off benefits, reduces her monthly amount, anything like that, then that means that that person has a potential legal claim against the insurance company. So again, remember, why is the insurance company, John, even asking this person to reapply? Well, mm -hmm. because they want this person to get CPP disability so the insurance company can get a credit for it. But again, unless the policy specifically states that this person must reapply, that person has absolutely no obligation to reapply for CPP disability. Have you ever come across in your travels a policy, once you look at it, that says, you know, you have to apply for CPP disability as many times as we tell you to? Or just, no. it, it's never said that, right? I've never seen that. It doesn't uh, mean it doesn't exist. Uh, Remember, right. not LTD policies are the same. There are nuances. Right. There are differences. It depends on the, on the coverage. Uh, and again, insurance companies, you know, they, they evolve and, you know, they see lawyers like myself attacking them when, when they're uh, cutting people off disability. They want to get more credit when they're paying you something. They want to be able to deduct more things from what they have to pay. Remember, insurance companies are in the business of saving money. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to find every which way uh, they can to save themselves money. By saving money, I mean that money they don't have to pay you. And, and so, no, I haven't seen policies like that, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to put that kind of verbiage down the road. So, you know, the best advice I can give is if you have a question about CPP disability, about a credit that the insurance company is claiming for, uh, anything of that sort, simply ask your adjuster to show you where in your LTD policy does it say that you have to do X and Y that they're asking for. If they can't point you to a specific provision, not a hypothetical provision, not a provision that says something else that they're reading this into. If there is no provision that specifically says what they tell you it says, then guess what? You don't have that obligation to do what the insurance company is saying in that respect. And again, I say it out there, John, if people have any questions, come to us. Ask us these questions. It's going to cost you nothing. Or go to mydisabilityquestions.com and just post your question. I mean, there's been thousands and thousands of yep. questions posted. So really, really uh, uh, useful, useful website. And again, that phone number, one 821 We've You know, we've talked about the whole, uh, the con, not even the concept, the whole story of CPP disability, and some people get a little freaked out by it, but it, it can actually be a very positive thing for the insured, right, if they, if they apply and they do end up getting approved. And I know there's several reasons why that can be a good thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people get freaked out by that. You know, the insurance company is telling me I have to apply for CPP disability, and they, a lot of a lot of people get angry because they understand that the the reason the insurance company is asking them to apply is because the insurance company doesn't actually care about them. It cares about the credit that it's mm -hmm. going to receive if the person is successful in getting CPP disability. 
Right. But and that's legitimate, right? I mean, because many people they pay premiums, or their employers pay premiums, or they both pay premiums, and they think, you know what? The time has come. I need to use LTD. I need, I need to use my coverage. Why is the insurance company trying to find a way to pay less? You know, when the policy says they have to pay X, they should pay X, not Y. Well, leaving that aside, because I do agree that it's it's unfair for the insurance company to to skirt its, its obligations and and not pay you what they're supposed to pay you. Uh, leaving that aside, there are advantages for applying for CPP disability. Mm-hmm. One of the advantages, as an example, is that arguably CPP disability, I mean, it's a government program. It's a, it's a more difficult test that you may have to meet to get that kind of a benefit as opposed to LTD. To get long-term disability benefits, you have to demonstrate with the help of your doctors by way of reports, notes, applications, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that you are disabled from performing the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years. For CPP disability, the test is more difficult. I know James Fireman, my, my partner, has said that. Other lawyers yep. I know take that view. You have to show that you have a disability that is severe and prolonged. Okay. Now, these are all words we're throwing around, John, but there's case law. There are tribunal decisions that deal with these kinds of cases and how to interpret these words. So if you are able to get CPP disability, you've applied for it, and you've been accepted, it actually means that the insurance company, your insurance company may have a more difficult time down the road cutting you off on the basis that you're not disabled because the government has deemed you disabled, right? So that's really key. That's that's one of the, the, the first things, first advantages that I would say that you have. Now, let's assume that the insurance company is acting stupid and they do cut you off for some other reason. Well, right. guess what? They've cut you off. That financial uh, lifeline has been severed until we deal with the insurance company. But meanwhile, while we're fighting the insurance company on your behalf, you are getting money from CPP right. disability. So you have an income source, right? You have something that's coming into the bank account. So, you know, that's these are just two of the things. And by the way, remember the website we mentioned at the outset, ltdfaq.ca? Well, there is a memo that deals with CPP disability. So if you want to learn more and understand more about the interaction between CPP disability and LTD, by all means, go to that website, download that memo. It's, I think, two or three pages, and, and you'll get all the information you need. And you always have the option of an email to help at disabilityrights.ca. A couple minutes to go here before we uh, slide into our first breaks. So, what else uh, What else you want to get started on? Uh, so actually, on the issue of CPP disability, I just want to read an email that I received from a gentleman uh, out of Alberta, and he writes, I listened to your show the other week, and I just received my LTD from my insurance company saying that I'm totally disabled, so I think he got some kind of a letter, and they're asking him to apply for CPP disability. And the question he's asking is, is this something I must do? I'm quite confused by this. Anything on this would help. So first of all, again, you can go to ltdfaq.ca and download the memo on that. But let me just answer this, because he's asking, is this something I must do? Technically speaking, yes, you must do that if you're an LTD and the insurance company asks you to do it, especially if it is in your policy, if your policy contains a provision that says that you must apply for CPP disability. Now, the question is, what happens if you don't do that? Well, any number of things can happen. Number one, the insurance company can take the position that you're in breach of a provision on the policy and therefore cut you off. Now, again, this is rare. Uh, I don't necessarily see that happening often. What I do see happening, however, is insurance companies saying, we ask you to apply for CPP disability. You said no. We are going to guesstimate how much we think you should be getting from CPP disability, and we're going to reduce your monthly LTD payments accordingly. Right. 
And so, you know, you might as well apply for CPP disability because if you don't, they're going to unilaterally reduce your payments. So again, another reason why you should apply for CPP disability if you are an LTD and especially if the insurance company asks you to do so. Let's take that first break, and we got lots more to go. You want to reach out and contact, and uh, we might bring your story and your question up here on the show at some time. LTDFAQ.ca is the website, free and anonymous, that uh, Savan just mentioned. LTDFAQ.ca, phone number to reach out anytime to his team, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. And to learn more and catch our TV show as well, the drop-down menu at the top will show you where to go, disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue, Disability Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. This is the Disability Law Show. Alongside me, John Scholes would be Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner of Samfiru Tamarkin LLP. You want to get in touch anytime with Savan and his crew. It's always a good thing to do. Uh, you can contact them for the most positively reviewed disability law firm in Canada anytime, disabilityrights.ca. Get the compensation you deserve from the firm that has successfully helped Tens of thousands of Canadians get results from here uh, in Ontario to BC and Alberta as well. So reach out at your leisure, but do so. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And you can also go to ltdfaq.ca as well. Okay, pal, take it away. Where are we going? John, we got contacted this week by a gentleman out of Calgary. And let me give you some facts. He's 62 years old, earning a salary of $90,000. Um, he suffers from mental health uh, related issues and that's why he's off work now he was uh, um, he's been off work for a while and the reason he's contacted us is because uh, he received a call and an email from his adjuster back on September um, uh, 27th and and what he was told so this this just happened and what he was told is that uh, they've they've created a return to work plan for him uh, and he's told that he must go back essentially next week okay okay and uh, he had an appointment with his doctor just a few weeks ago and the doctor specifically said that no he's not ready to go back to work yet at least not for the next several months okay uh, and, and then at that point he'll reevaluate him so here you have the situation where this person is unable to go back to work, doesn't feel that he's ready to go back to work because of various mental health issues. He's a high earner. Um, his doctor says it's against medical advice to go back, but yet his insurance company is insistent that he begin a return to work program. And they right. told him, and I'm quoting here, if you don't proceed with the return to work plan, then your file with, and they give their name, will be closed. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about strong arm tactics that insurance companies are using. I have seen this many, many times. And here's the thing. Of course, he's anxious. I mean, remember, this person is suffering from mental health issues. Can you just imagine how his anxiety is shooting through the roof? His blood pressure is probably, you know, through the roof as well. Uh, And what I tell people is, don't worry. Don't worry. And I know it may be superficial for me to say don't worry because he's the one who's under that strain. But here's why I say don't worry. If you know that you're not ready to go back to work, if your doctors have put on paper that you are not ready to go back to work, you need to convey that to your adjuster, to the insurance company, in writing, 
here's what my doctor said, I am not ready, I would like to go back at some point, but my doctor has said this is against medical advice at this given point in time, and if you force me, in other words, if you compel me uh, to go back to work, I'm simply going to contact some to Markin, Sivan, or whoever it is you're going to contact, we're going to contact the disability lawyer, and we're going to have to deal with this issue. And here's what's going to happen. Either the adjuster is going to back down, or they're going to call your bluff. Well, guess what? If they call your bluff, you call us immediately, because there is no way that an insurance company can force you to go back to work. John, this is something I hear all the time. People calling me, telling me, I'm being forced to go back. Let's Let's focus on that word forced. I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There is no one that's going to come to your home is going to put a gun to your head and say, you must walk out and go to your workplace and work. They can't do that. What they can do is what they're doing here, strong arm tactics, right? They're saying to you, we will close your file. We're going to stop paying you unless you comply. Well, they cannot do that. They simply cannot do that because under the policy, you are still disabled if your doctors confirm that you are disabled. So what's the alternative? The alternative is this. If the adjuster doesn't back down, you get in touch with us immediately because then we will write to them and and potentially even, I mean, in this case here, we're talking about next week, so it's a very short time frame. We may even start a legal claim immediately against the insurance company to hit them hard. There is no way that this insurance company can do this to this person, right? He, It's actually going to set him back most likely. And I've seen this before where people are compelled to go back to work. They feel that they have no choice and, and they crash and they burn. And you know what? In those cases, when we go after the insurance company, we hit them hard. We don't just claim for you know the the, the uh, benefits that they're owed under the policy. We claim for aggravated damages, for punitive damages. Uh, we're in the process right now, John, of actually creating an article for um, uh, for for uh, uh, Global uh, right. about punitive damages because I think people out there don't understand that these kinds of cases, although it's very rare for them to go to court. Okay, it's very rare to go in front of a judge. There have been many cases where they have actually gone to court and judges have you know, just brought a hammer down on these insurance companies. Not only have they actually forced these insurance companies to pay what they were supposed to pay in the first place, but they awarded hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of thousands of, of, of dollars in punitive damages against these insurance companies for bad conduct, for bad faith conduct. Insurance companies are simply not allowed to do this, but they do it time and time again because most people simply don't know their rights and so, and so many people just walk away from their rights. And this is what we're here to change and this is why we keep giving out this information. Right? Whether you come to us for help or another disability lawyer who knows what they're doing, you need to have that information. That's what's going to empower you, and that's what's going to even out that playing field with the insurance company. It seems kind of stupid for an insurance company to force you back to work when you're not ready. You go back to work, and as you said, you you crash and burn. Now you're back on claim. This could just exacerbate your problem and thereby costing them, the insurance company, more money because you could be off longer. It's, it's, it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical from a lo- from a logical standpoint, and I agree with you completely. Except that you're making an assumption here. You're making the assumption that insurance companies will allow the person to go back on LTD. Ah. And so what we see in many instances is that these individuals do feel compelled to go back to work. They go back to work, they crash and burn, and then the insurance company doesn't let them go back on LTD. And again, we get involved in those cases. We force insurance companies to put them back on LTD and potentially even pay more for what they've done. You know, because this was inappropriate mm-hmm. and, and unjust. But you're right. Keep in mind something else, though. 
Many people out there feel that because the insurance companies are so strong, so big, so powerful, have so much money, there's no point standing up for your rights because they'll trample over them, right? Who am I, this little bug, to go against this huge, you know, mega corporation? I'll tell you who you are. You're a person that has rights. You're a person that has the ability in this amazing country of ours to enforce those rights against this billion-dollar entity. And again, I keep coming back to this David and Goliath you know, type of, a, of an analogy here. Remember, David and Goliath, that biblical story, who won that battle? It was David. It was not Goliath. And we see this time and time again. And the proof is in the pudding because if I wasn't right about what I'm saying, lawyers like myself would be out of business. The number anytime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Use it. Call Savan and his team. Get educated. Even if you're doing it for someone else and you you know see something on the horizon might be creeping up to bite you. Make the phone call, headed to the past, right? Help at disabilityrights.ca. There's also another uh, place for you to go for free answers and questions about LTD and my disabilityquestions.com. Okay, I'll keep it going. Where uh, where are we heading? John, we were taping our TV show earlier this week which is going to air, I think, in a couple of weeks. And remember, in the middle of the show, I had received an email uh, from someone, and I read it out uh, live, I mean, live as we were taping. Right. Uh, and, and so let me read that email now and, and discuss it now on radio. So the subject line is LTD, and, and here's what this person, Tony, writes. Dear, uh, dear sir, two weeks ago while watching TV, I came across your disability information session. Amazing. It is so informative and provides excellent advice. I look forward to your 30-minute session every Saturday morning. Thank you so much. I have a question seeking your advice. Can you please advise if an individual who is currently on LTD can approach the insurance company requesting a lump sum payout versus monthly payments? If yes, what approach can the person take to hopefully obtain the maximum benefit, dollar value payout? FYI, the LTD recipient is 57 years old the policy provides coverage until age 65, and the recipient is totally disabled and will be disabled until age 65 and beyond. Thank you very much. So this person is 57 years old. It's an excellent question. We've, again, dealt with this before. You know, l- l- let me just uh, turn the tables a bit. I do get calls and emails from individuals who are saying, I've been on LTD for five years, I'm 55 years old, or I'm 40 years old, or whatever the situation is. The insurance company has just approached me and said, we're going to pay you a lump sum payment. We're going to pay you benefits worth the next five years, right? Yes. Um, so we're not going to pay you till age 65. Let's say, let's say a person is 50 years old. The insurance company says, we'll pay you eight years worth of future benefits. And they're hoping you're going to accept that because if you're full, fully disabled, they would have had to pay you until age 65, right? Sure. It would have been 15 years. So they're getting yeah. a benefit, but they also see that it's a benefit to you because you're getting a lot of money up front. That's, that's different than you approaching the insurance company and asking them, can I get a lump sum payment, some future benefits right now? And here's why it's different. Put yourself in the position of the insurance company. You're paying out this individual whom you've determined is disabled. This person now approaches you and says, can I get a lump sum settlement for my future payments. Instead of you paying me monthly until I'm 65 years old, just pay me a whole chunk of it right now. Yeah. If you're the insurance company, if I'm the insurance company, first thing I'm doing is is asking, wait a second, let's Why? take a look at this file. Yeah. Why is this person asking, are they better somehow now? Do they have a job lined up? Trying to cash out? Next week? Yeah. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it, and I'm not saying this is what happens. I'm just saying this is the potential perception yeah. of the adjuster that you are approaching, of the insurance company. 
And what that may do in turn is shine a light on your claim, a light that you did not want to shine on your claim. Perhaps now there is a different adjuster involved looking at your file. Perhaps now there is a manager, you know, looking at your file, scouring the details, trying to figure out, hmm, maybe we missed something. Maybe this person is trying to scam us, right? And and so that may backfire on you. Now, I'm not saying in every situation you should never ask for a lump sum. I'm just saying you have to be very cognizant of what that may lead to if you ask for that lump sum payment. I, and I was mentioning, John, on the, on the TV show that uh, a while back, I was approached by uh, a young lawyer, actually, who uh, who was diagnosed with a, a severe disease, a progressive disease, and she actually didn't have that much to live by way of years. Very, very tragic story. And the problem was that she was cut off uh, benefits through work, and sh- her medications were very, very expensive. And so the rationale for asking a lump sum payment into the future to get it now was that she could afford the medication that she needs. And so we crafted a very carefully worded letter to the insurance company explaining that background, explaining the information that led to that request. Uh, so, But that's very different than the majority of cases out there. Mm-hmm. I think that if a person approaches the insurance company and asks for a lump sum payment into the future, that person could potentially be in a situation where they're going to get a lot of attention they do not want and potentially even be cut off in the future because the insurance company has concluded that this person is trying to scam them even though that's not true. So again, my advice is, generally speaking, unless you have a very, very specific situation uh, and we can discuss it, stay away from that kind of a request. If the insurance company is paying you monthly, let them pay you monthly. And you should be equally as gun-shy if they're coming to you saying, hey, you know what? Uh, how about this uh, big fat check here we'll give you instead? <laughs> and, and that's going to be attractive for a lot of people. Yeah. If, they, if, they, if they're getting you know possibly seven years worth of LTD for, mm-hmm. I don't know, two, three hundred thousand or whatever it is, and the insurance company says, here's a $90,000 check if you walk away now, mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to look at that and say, hmm, tasty. John, let's just l- listen. Let's just do the math here because this is important. Many people out there will be offered these lump sum payment, uh, uh, payments. I- I've seen many individuals who are in their 40s, in their 50s. Uh, I remember one person who was around, I think, was 50 years old, and he was getting, I believe, it was forty thousand dollars a year in LTD payments. Okay. And the insurance company came and said, "We'll offer you two hundred thousand dollars right now." Well, that's equivalent to five years worth of benefits. That would have taken that person to age 55. Right. Right. But this person was disabled for life. And so what the insurance company was effectively asking this person to do is accept five years worth of benefits and lose out potentially on another 10. Right. Wow. And another 10 would have been an additional $400,000. Jeez. Right. So, so, you know, you have to be very, very careful when you're accepting these lump sum settlements. And oftentimes insurance companies actually... Uh, what they will do is they'll offer you that, that lump sum and they'll tell you get legal advice. Sometimes they even give you some money, three, four hundred bucks, whatever it is, to pay a disability lawyer to review that uh, package. Uh, so you definitely want to do that. You do not want to just simply accept, especially in a situation where you know you're going to be disabled for life because you are potentially giving the insurance company an amazing deal here and it's to your detriment. Lots more to go, but got to take a break. Here's how you reach out to Savan and his crew, the number we keep giving you. Write it down, keep it, no problem. Have a conversation with one of his staff or himself, one 821 5900 Toll free, of course, disabilityrights.ca, the website that gives you more knowledge, contact, and links to our long-running TV show. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Love doing it. Love that you're here. Feel free to uh, have some correspondence and contribute to the show anytime you want in the form of uh, comments and questions. We get them all the time. You can do exactly that by a few different ways. You can call Savan and his crew, Sam Firu, to mark an LLP, by the way, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca as well. Okay, pal, take it away. Let's keep going. Here's a question, John, that was posted by Karen on MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Nice. She, she writes, I'm in the midst of a successful and positive return to work program. I received a letter dated September 15th telling me that my benefits will terminate on August, um, <laughs> I think she meant September, uh, yes. the end of September. Yeah. Uh, I am perplexed. It has shot my anxiety through the roof. Ironically, their basis for my LTD is anxiety disorder. I just don't have a fight left in me. Uh, and this is again, Karen is not, um, you know, she's not on her, on, on her own here. She, this is, I've seen this time and time again. People are simply tired, John. They're tired and they're anxious and they're afraid of insurance companies. Do not be. And I'm telling you this not not only as somebody who works with disabled individuals uh, and gets them the benefits they're owed from insurance companies. I'm talking as somebody who used to work for insurance companies in the past. And we have other lawyers on our team who used to work for these insurance companies. I am telling you, you don't need to have that fight in you. All you need to have is that um, ability to, to, to learn and understand what your rights are. We can fight for you if need be, okay? But you do have an obligation, I do think, you, each one of you, to educate yourselves and let and, and figure out what your rights are. And we've done this really easily by doing these shows and providing the websites that we've provided. So let me answer your question here, Karen. This is important. If you are in the middle of a successful and positive return to work program, what the insurance company is effectively saying is that based on the information they have, your benefits will terminate at a certain date. But that makes sense. Think about that. If you are earning money through work, we're not dealing with a top-up situation here. I'm okay. going to get to that in a different uh, email. Uh, we're dealing with a situation, John, where somebody is successfully reintegrating into the workforce, which is a fantastic thing. Okay, As much as I talk about long-term disability, I do hope that most people, if not all, will be able to go back to work and be functioning as successful members of society. That's right. Uh, but, but So in this case, that, that is what's happening to Karen. So the insurance company is telling her, well, okay, so by so-and-so date, you know, your, your case will basically close with the insurance company because you are successfully reintegrating. Now, she's saying she's perplexed. Nothing to be perplexed. This is actually quite normal. But here's what people need to understand. Not every person will be like Karen. Not every person will actually find that the reintegration into work is successful. And so people are always asking me, what happens? Right? There's this anxiety. What happens if it does not succeed? If I actually crash and burn, uh, whether it's a week into it, a day into it, a month into it, whatever. And I tell them that if you look at your LTD policy, you will see that there is a provision or a set of provisions. Uh, we refer to them as recurrence provisions. And they deal with that exact situation. And what it typically says is that if within, usually it gives about six months, but you can take a look at your policy. If within a certain period of time, your attempt to go back to work, return to work, has not been successful, then you will go back on LTD without waiting the initial elimination period, that period of time in the beginning uh, where you weren't getting any benefits. 
after you applied for LTD. You should, in other words, it, it, you should be completely, you know, back on LTD with no issues. The reality is that in many cases, insurance companies, even when a person says that that's what's happened, and the doctors confirm that the person should be back on LTD, insurance companies put a wall up or put obstacles uh, in 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 the way of these individuals going back on LTD. And again, that's very stressful. Of course, it is. But we can help with those situations, and we do help with those situations. The key is to make sure that the doctors are on side. So when you are trying to return uh, um, back to work, whether it's with the insurance company support or, or without it, whatever it is, make sure that there is an, always a communication between you and your doctors, right. you and whoever's treating you. Make sure that they're always apprised of the situation. As you are reintegrating into the workforce, make sure you keep your doctor or your treatment providers apprised of it. Make sure that your HR department at work or the owners or whoever it is, you know, it could be a mom and pop shop, it could be a big bank, whatever, Make sure that everyone is on board and on page, same page, in terms of how you're doing. Because the reality is that if, in fact, it's not successful and you have to go back, the insurance company is going to take, they're going to want to look at, you know, the records. They're going to want to know what happened. They're going to want to know what the, the, the doctors are saying. Um, and so that's why it's important to make sure that everything is being documented along the way. And we do have a memo exactly on this on this issue again at our website, LTD faq.ca john for people to just uh go and read up about it uh, it's free uh, and it will answer all your questions and if you have any questions about your situation again or somebody else you know feel free to email us or go to mydisabilityquestions.com but john this is a very common question that we get what happens when you try to return to work after being on ltd and and, and that attempt fails uh and that's something we're going to continue talking about because it is an important issue and Savan said, "Reach out anytime. Do not hesitate. Uh, have a uh, you know a free and uh, you know relaxed conversation with one of his staff about your issue or someone in your family as well. Toll free one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and disabilityrights.ca. Got a couple minutes to go. Let's get started on uh, on another one, Savan. Before we got a break, pal. Well, so here, here's one from Gail in Toronto. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. And Gail writes, I've been on LTD close to two years." Uh, in brackets, she puts, the pandemic seriously affected my recovery. My change of definition mm -hmm. uh, date is fast approaching, and the insurance company has told me that my claim will close on November 5th. I'm working with my OT, occupational therapist, and have provided my employer and insurance company a back-to-work, work-hardening plan. I asked if my insurance company would top up my income while on work-hardening, but they said no, that as per my contract, my LTD case will close on November 5th. My back-to-work plan is about 18 weeks in length as per my OT, but I cannot afford to have such little income while returning to work. Is there a chance to have the insurance company continue some income while I'm trying to return to work? So, John, the, the really the simple answer is this. It depends on what your LTD policy says. The right. adjuster here apparently told Gail that the LTD policy does not allow for a top-up. I don't care what the adjuster says. I would tell Gail to take a look specifically at what her policy says. And if it contains any provisions about top-ups or no top-ups, take a look at those. Because I'll tell you, adjusters make a lot of mistakes. Sometimes they're making these mistakes unintentionally. And sometimes, you know, they, they don't really tell you exactly what the policy says. So it's up to you to take a look at your policy. And Gail, if you have any questions, you want us to review the policy for you, again, free of charge, we will be happy to just reach out to us. We'll get in touch. We'll look at the documents, and we'll tell you what your options are. 
One short break, and then we're back to it. Uh, thanks, Gail, by the way, for reaching out. You can as well. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is where that came from, but there's uh, other options for you. Help at DisabilityRights.ca if you email. And the, uh, the phone number, one 821 5900 We'll continue more Disability Law Show on the way. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Still got some minutes to go. Good to have you along on the show again today. Disability Law Show is what you're listening to. Savan Tamarkin, the co-founding partner of Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. You want to catch our TV show? Yeah, we do that as well all over it. You want to go to disabilityrights.ca and then the option for you for uh, questions. It's in the title. MyDisabilityQuestions.com as well. Take it away, pal. Got lots to, uh, lots to still get through. Tons, tons, tons to get through. John. So here, here's a, a question that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com from, from Chris. Chris writes, um, uh, I'm currently on LTD provided through uh, my employer. Um, and he's mentioning the, insur- the, the name of the insurance company. Mm-hmm. Then he says, I'm receiving monthly payments. Uh, I'm part of a union. My question is as follows. If my payments are cut off, am I obligated to try and resolve the matter through my union? If the union is unsuccessful in assisting me, could I contact your law office for help? Or can there be simultaneous assistance with your office and my union? Um, Really appreciate uh, your advice. Okay. Excellent question. You know, when you and Lior do the employment law show, John, uh, Lior is, uh, you know, very clear that we cannot help unionized employees with respect to employment issues because that's governed by the collective agreement between the union and the employer. Okay. Mm -hmm. In LTD, it's a little different, um, and it's a little it's a little different in a big way. <laughs> uh, it's a little different in that we still have to look at the collective agreement, but in many many cases, we actually can can help a unionized employee deal with a potential long-term disability problem with their insurance company, and I say that because the collective agreement defines the relationship and and w- everything that's in there between the employer and uh, the union that affects the employees. And so when we look at a collective agreement, we look to see whether or not it's contemplated by the employer and the union that any issues with LTD should be resolved by the union versus someone else. And in many, many cases, when we look at these collective agreements, we, we see that in fact it's not captured by the collective agreement. What that means is that we can actually help the person, we can actually represent the person vis-a-vis the insurance company. Now in some cases, John, people who are unionized figure, well, why call a lawyer? I might as well use, you know, use my union. You're more than welcome to do so, but remember, your union has little to no expertise with long-term disability. Right. They don't deal with this kind of stuff. They deal with overtime, vacation, you know, being fired, stuff like that. Job not, stuff. Yeah. yeah, job stuff. They're not, they don't have expertise in LTD. And so what happens is the union tries to appeal sometimes these cutoffs. Sometimes they try to do something else. And the reality is it often gets you nowhere because it's very different for the union to deal with an employer versus with an insurance company. It's a different ballgame. And so what I tell everyone that's unionized, contact us first. We First of all, we will tell you if you can use a lawyer, like, like somebody on my team, as opposed to uh, having to go through your union. That's number one, because I may tell you that, no, you have no choice. You have to go through the union. 
But, but you know, on the other hand, I may tell you, in fact, I often tell people, no, I'm looking at the collective agreement and you're, you're free to use a, a law firm like, my, like ours to help cool. you with your LTD case. And, and, and that's usually when you end up getting results, to be honest with you. And it's not just with us. It's lawyers who deal with disability claims day in and day out. So the answer to this gentleman is this. You're not obligated to go through a union unless the collective agreement mandates that you go through through the union. And sometimes it's not a clear answer, right? I mean, it, it's not always black and white. So we, we look at these collective agreements with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, secondly, if the union is trying to assist you and they're unsuccessful and then you come to us, it could compromise you know, our ability to actually represent you because there is an argument from the insurance company side that you've effectively agreed that this is a matter that is encapsulated or captured by the collective agreement. It means potentially that if your union is trying to help you first, we may not be able to be there as a second place holder to, to, to help you with your LTD case. So that's why I tell people, John, if you're unionized, not unionized, you have an LTD issue, come to us first. We will tell you what your options are. And if your options are X and Y, we'll tell you that. If you don't have those options, we'll tell you that too, but at least you'll know. I want to get Jones' email in here quickly from, again, help at, um, help at disabilityrights.ca. Jones says, uh, I so wish you had been around when the insurance company mistreated my husband. He was hurt and was able to work. Uh, he collected short-term disability, then was granted long-term disability, which he was on for two years. At the two-year mark, he was cut off with no notice of any kind. We had no idea how long the term, uh, no idea the long term meant only two years. He had all the doctor's reports to back him up. We went to lawyer, and they told us it would cost us more than he would receive to fight it. He then applied for CPP uh, disability and was granted that. In the meantime, we lost all the coverage he was entitled to. Long story short, I'm so glad you were on TV helping everyone that has uh, no more information than we had so they can get LTD. Thank you, says Joan. That's pretty cool. That That's very cool. And, you know, yeah. we do get those uh, sometimes, and I, 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 we generally don't read those on air, but I think here it's important to actually focus on something because she mentioned that her husband was cut off at the two-year mark. The two-year mark is when insurance companies typically cut off people off of LTD because that's when there is a change of definition. You know, for the first two years to get LTD, you have to demonstrate that you cannot do or perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. It's called the own occupation test. That's the definition of total disability under the policy, that you cannot do your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, right? to get LTD beyond the two-year mark, which Joan's husband was not able to get here, apparently, uh, the definition for total disability changes. It's no longer own occupation. It's any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. Uh, and typically what we, what we look at is the commensurate income. If at the two-year mark, you can do the work or an occupation that pays you 60-65% of what you earned before you went on LTD. Uh, if you can do that, well then the insurance company is probably correct in not paying you. But if you cannot, you should continue to be on LTD. Now here's what's interesting here. Apparently, they went to a lawyer. I have no idea what kind of lawyer. The lawyer said, "No, I can't help you. It's going to cost you more uh, than than you know than yes. than I would be able to get for you." I don't have details here. I have no idea. You know, Joan's husband's age. I don't know. What I do know is that he applied for CPP disability and he was granted. So the government agreed that his disability was severe and prolonged. So I have no idea what the lawyer was talking about. Listen, because we don't have facts, I don't know if this lawyer did the correct thing, but I can tell you this. I have given many second opinions to people, and, and I have seen lawyers who give such bad advice that it's almost criminal in my mind 
And many lawyers, unfortunately, dabble in this. And they should not be dabbling because long-term disability is a specialty type of, of uh, uh, law. Uh, it's a subset of the law, just like criminal law is, mm-hmm. real estate law, etc. You need to go to the people who know what they're doing, the people who have the reputation, the resources, and the experience. Because if you don't, you're going to potentially become another victim, just like Joan's husband, and lose out on all the money that the insurance company owes you. Joan, appreciate you reaching out, and that's a good way to uh, to wrap the show for today. Anytime you want uh, more information, you can do what so many people have and we've been talking about on the show today, and that is just reach out through several different avenues. First one is this, the phone number, good, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. The email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Thank you for hanging around for the hour, and we'll do it all again shortly. Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.